Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We have a really interesting topic. I am excited to be chatting with Natalie Mathis and also Sarah Barnes Humphrey. And what we're going to be talking about today is really owning your career path. So um, I'm going to take a guess that one thing the three of us probably have in common is when we were, you know, back in fourth grade, I don't think any of us ever said we wanted to grow up and be in freight. But somehow we all ended up here and we all can relate to what it's like to fall into the industry. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that the skill set you build along the way is really very transferable within and without the industry. And it can add a lot of value based on whatever direction you decide to take your career. So um, 2020, the pandemic obviously led a lot of people to just reevaluate their career decisions, explore new paths, some of them by necessity, some by choice, but there are really two different paths out there. And many choose to stay on that linear path, become a subject matter expert, stay focused, stay specialized. And some people choose to do what we're gonna talk about more of like a cafeteria method here where a little of this a little of that and really building your skill set and building your career in more of a non-linear way so i'm going to hand this over to natalie and sarah have them introduce themselves and then we'll come back and really um, get into the dialogue and conversation around skill sets career paths and what you guys have done so um sarah i'll hand it over to you real quick if you could just introduce yourself tell us where you are what you do and um, maybe give an example of a time where you have leveraged experience to do something different with your career sure yeah thank you charlie it's so amazing to be here i just want to thank you guys all at the ladies leadership coalition for having me on today so my name is sarah barnes humphrey i am the founder and host of let's talk supply chain i'm also the host of the blended podcast which is the newest conversation in diversity and inclusion and i'm also the ceo of ships which is a marketplace for importers and freight forwarders to do better business together um so where am i located I am just outside of Toronto, so that's right. If you haven't caught it when I say out and about, I am Canadian, okay? <laughs> um, what else? You asked me for an example. So I guess one of my biggest examples would be transitioning from working from the family business. So the family business I grew up, and you, you asked if, you know, when we were in grade school, whether we thought we would be in freight. And I say supply chains in my blood, because we've been talking about freight, logistics, and supply chain at the dinner table since I could remember. Wow. So I think, you know, I probably flip-flopped a little bit, but it was probably one of the things that was high on my list. Um, but my dad owned a, a freight forwarding company, and so I worked for just under 20 years there. And the expertise that I learned there um, helped me not only with my podcast, but also for launching my tech company. So that would be an example that, that I've used my expertise for. That's awesome. Thank you. And Natalie, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've leveraged that skill set. Yeah, of course. Um, hi, everybody. I'm really excited to be here today with the Ladies Leadership Coalition. Uh, my name is Natalie Mathis. I work out of Chicago, so act, there's a little bit of twine there on the vowels, but uh, I try to kind of pronounce it the best that I can. Um, I work for Shipwell, and uh, I'm an account executive there. 
And uh, I think a, a good example, honestly, if I go back to my early career, um, I am definitely that textbook example of growing up. Uh, I wanted to be Cindy Parlow. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. I thought I, you know, I was going to be a Tar Heel and just, you know, build a career in soccer. And um, I, you know, before coming into logistics, I worked throughout a lot of nonprofit work and empowering women and, um, you know, servicing, being in that people to people industry. And and I think that first, you know, leveraging that skill set was taking, you know, those soft skills of customer service that I had in that previous experience and bringing it into supply chain um, and having the confidence to make a big uh, career move into logistics with no experience. And so uh, there I was really able to kind of take the foundation of, okay, I know how to speak to people. I know how to have conversations and I have a curiosity and wanting to understand a problem and solve it and taking in, you know, the continued education and this field that's ever changing and just being able to propel forward. So um, it's been an exciting ride. And I, I'm sure everybody in this industry can feel that sentiment that every day I'm learning something new and it's fun and exciting. And that's why I love it. Yeah. And I love that you said that because that is something that I think the three of us have in common and many more people in this industry that we're curious and we're always looking to learn. There's so many different topics, so many different walks of life in this industry. So um, a big part of, of, you know, as you grow your skill set is just asking questions, being engaged, wanting to learn. So um, let's start with the first question. Natalie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one your way because I know you recently made a career change. So um, tell us a little bit about where you were, where you are now, how you got there and maybe, you know, some of those skills that you were able to leverage and, and how that role is different. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to dive into that. So I think, um, you know, before moving to Shipwell, I work as an account executive and Shipwell is a freight technology company. So they have a, a software solution that they can um, tailor to shippers, carriers um, and brokers. And before that, I worked for a traditional brokerage and I worked in sales and I predominantly was working, you know, with customers in the food and beverage industry, automotive industry, um, you know, helping provide capacity needs to them throughout this market. Um, I started there in you know, 2017. It was a great launching point. You know, that was, a you know, right then you turn into 2018 and it was a very volatile time for shippers. And there was a need for that problem solving on, you know, how can we get more capacity? How can we make strategic partnerships? And over the past few years in that skill set and in those conversations with my current customers, I started to see that second third and fourth layer that those conversations really realmed outside of just truck capacity and it was visibility how can i see my shipments how can my load planners and logistics planners make more informed decisions and quickly um, i learned really um really quickly, especially over the past year with COVID, that a lot of shippers still use that manual opaque process of working out of Excel sheets and, um, you know, that time to action can be a little, um, you know, inundated. And that really started propelling that interest into, okay, what softwares are out there? You know, I knew in my previous background, a couple of systems that we had used and systems that I used for my customers, but I was really curious on 
How does a shipper select a TMS system? What softwares do they need to be able to communicate from their WMS to their ERP so that they can, at the order level, you know, know what's going on and have that visibility? And how does that translate once they get the order created and need a truck or a freight forwarder or whatnot? And so being in sales, I really wanted to challenge myself and expand that knowledge base. And I found Shipwell and, you know, I saw there was an opportunity for an account executive role. And I did that research and understanding what software they were uh, providing. And I think that the biggest um, advice that I was able to gain and pursue was I made sure to be intentional in the pursuit of what I was looking for outside of just my skill set and wanting to grow to another role, but also would this be a culture fit? Does this align with long-term goals? And being realistic of can my job description and responsibilities translate? And I think that the the best advantage that I was able to leverage was having another network outside of just interviewing for Shipwell. And I reached out to other people that were in tech sales and software sales and asked them these questions of, hey, mm-hmm. how do you make a move like this? And these are the responsibilities that I do now in my career. What would I need to know or where would I need to grow in order to move into this industry? And I got a lot of great feedback. I even had conversations with customers. And um, once I was able to go to that interview process, I felt really confident that this is something that I could do and that I could gain the knowledge that I needed to, you know, move into that role and be successful. That's awesome. I mean, really a great example of taking your career into your own hands and um, probably took a lot of vulnerability on your part and, and definitely weighing that risk reward. So good transition to Sarah. You told a little bit about your background in supply chain and the lingo growing up with it, but how did you decide to kind of take that leap into podcasting and what you're doing now? I mean, was it was it a risk for you? Was it a natural transition? What did that feel like? Uh, well, it was definitely not natural. Um, so I was working for the family business and I had been working for the family business for a long time, right? So I grew up in operations. I grew up in sales. So I, I did everything from air freight, ocean freight, customs, warehousing, and then I went and sold all of those services. And then I became director of sales and marketing. And a couple of things happened that year. One was, I was like, as a 3PL, we really need to get our brand story out there. Like, nobody knows who we are. And they were comparing a lot of us on price. Right? That was a lot of the conversations I was having. And so what happened is I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time. And I thought, well, hey, if Lewis Howes can do it, why can't Sarah Barnes Humphrey in supply chain? I mean, it sounds kind of crazy now, but at the time I was like, I'm just going to do it. Good for you. Um, And so I had a team, I had a male co-host from my customs department and everything in marketing and supply chain was really stuffy at the time. And I was like, I'm going to push the boundaries. And so we called it Two Babes Talk Supply Chain with tongue in cheek because it was a guy and it was me and it was just kind of funny. And um, we ran with it. We started doing regular episodes and then people started paying to come on the show. And so I moved it into my own company. And then in the fall of 2017, my dad closed his doors 
And I was out on my butt with nowhere to go. I had never been on an interview. I had never worked anywhere else. I'd always had side hustles. I lost my co-host and I lost my team. And so, and I had people that I was responsible to. So I had to keep the podcast Mm -hmm. going. I had to figure out editing. I had to learn graphic design, website design, social media, (laughs) you name it. And my first episode out the gate was horrible. Like the sound was just horrible. But I released it anyways. And so that was kind of my transition. And I think it was the universe's way of telling me, you've done side hustles for so long. Here's your kick in the butt to actually go and do something for yourself. (laughs) Um, And at the same time, I also realized that technology would bridge the gap between freight forwarders and shippers. And so I actually started them both at kind of the exactly the same time. That's awesome. Really inspiring and creative and probably not as easy as it sounds and not to not to go down this path too much, but as a female and, and really breaking out as a female and, and being an expert in the space. I'm guessing most people didn't didn't expect that would come out of your mouth, all the lingo and knowledge about the industry. And then you get going and, and you really do prove to be an expert. So again, a lot of courage and bravery and look at look at where you are now, four years later. It's really amazing. I mean, who would have thought, I mean, that we would actually have media in supply chain. Exactly. <laughs> it's so crazy. So Not only did you reinvent yourself, but you created a, you know, a, a community that, that is craving this kind of information on different outlets. So that's awesome. Well, and one thing I should probably mention is in January 2018, I started the Woman in Supply Chain series. Mm-hmm. But by April 2018, I hadn't changed the name. So I had to rebrand everything to Let's Talk Supply Chain within one week in April. Yeah so that I could keep the podcast going and that women would come on my show because they didn't like the name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, looks looks good on the outside. So we didn't notice. Um, Well, awesome. Natalie, tell us a little bit, just kind of playing off that and, and, you know, Sarah taking that leap and, and having the courage when you were interviewing for your new role, how did you approach responses when you were asked questions about potentially like a skill set or experience that you didn't have, maybe something that you knew you were capable of learning, but um, did you fake it till you make it? Or did you just kind of take that step back and admit, but sell them on what you were capable of? Yeah, that's a great question, Charlie. Um, I do think that going through the interview process can be very uh, tumultuous. It's a very complicated ride to find that alignment. And um, I think transparency is huge in an interview. You know, I'm a big advocate that having those conversations on the front end will ensure your like success and like you sustaining a career on the back end. So I had to be very vigilant in that pursuit. I knew I was going to be transitioning to a new role. I knew the goals that I had, and I needed to make sure that that aligned with the goals that my new employer had, and also that they had the confidence in where I was to invest in me and where I needed to go. So I did a lot of research. Um, I think that that's really valuable. I really wanted to make sure that when I looked up the, the roles and responsibilities, where could I find those linear connections between what I was doing and speak to those and have those examples? And where were there maybe certain um, responsibilities or qualifications that 
I need more insight on. Okay, based off of this job description or based off, what do you mean here? What are you, what, what's an example of what this daily task would look like at Google? And asking them to provide an example, I was unable to connect those dots uh, further and be, oh, okay, well, I do actually do three to five three of the five components of that, would you feel comfortable in, would there be a training opportunity for these other two to five? And really having that transparent conversation and then leaning on the other parts. You know, I've done sales. I, you know, was very, very comfortable in that this career point, it is sales. So a lot of it still translates um, and making sure that they understood that by hiring me, here is where you're going to gain and here's that ROI. And then here is where I'm confident I could get to. And this is asking them what success looks. This is a question that I really love to ask in an interview process is what does success look for my role in three months, six months, and in a year? And really getting an understanding of what this role is about and what the expectations will be. Um, I also think that for those who maybe have career change aspirations and they know that they aren't qualified, still reaching out to somebody in that role and asking, how did you get here? Mm -hmm. I have had interviews where I simply wasn't qualified and I still had very, very productive conversations with those interviewees or those um, business leaders on what advice would you give me? Here's where I'm at. And sometimes they say like, hey, there's a course here that you could take this way I recommend or come back in a year and um, here are a couple people that I recommend you following to gain more insight and we can, and I'd be happy to have additional conversations with you. Um, but I think that that was one thing that I was really intentional about in, in the interview process because being having that misalignment can be really discouraging then when you make a career change and then you're not you don't end up being the fit for them they don't end up being the fit for you so it's really important to be thorough in the interview process and there isn't necessarily that rush i know a lot of times it can seem like you have to have every question answered the right time uh, i think that one of the benefits of being in sales that i learned that like closed mouths don't get fed so don't be afraid to send that follow-up email ask for an additional call reach out to the people that you've interviewed with and ask them more questions it's a people to people world so the more humanity that you can bring to it the more people are going to let that guard down and be willing to have a, a conversation with you. That's so great. You're so mature beyond <laughs> beyond your young ears. I, I had a years. I had a post on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago about um, a bad career move I made when I was about 25, and I didn't do any of that. So <laughs> live and learn. But I didn't ask the right questions. I didn't know what they were going to measure me on, and it was an absolute disaster. So I'm grateful now that I went through that because I I know what it feels like on the other side. But um, you've said a lot of really great ideas and tips for people listening just in terms of doing your research. I think as females, we feel more pressure than men to, you know, the whole imposter syndrome and, and to prove ourselves that we know what we're talking about. But there's also this balance of being vulnerable and being able to admit when you don't know something. So, Sarah, I mean, you are talking to so many different types of individuals from all over, different backgrounds, you know, different types of organizations they're with now. How do you handle that? Like, do you 
do you prep so you are you know able to have this conversation or or do you kind of back off and ask questions and admit when you don't know something and have an opportunity to learn from them I would be the first one to say, I don't know what that means, or can you explain that a little bit further? Or if they use an acronym, and I know the audience needs a little bit further clarification, I'll be like, you know, I don't know what that means, or maybe just for my audience, you know, can you explain that a little bit more? So I am the first one to do that. Um, I don't, if you guys know me, I don't prep a ton, um, but I do have questions in advance so that we make sure that we are having the right conversation, mm -hmm. the right conversation for them, the right conversation for the audience. Um, and, you know, just a flow in the conversation where I can also interject with ad hoc questions. And, you know, that's, that's what I love to do. I mean, if you see me on a webinar, I probably haven't even read the intro until five minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> But, but look at how you carry yourself. You've got it down. So that's, that's. I, I love yeah. that you, what you said, Sarah, because I listened to the LLC's podcast. It was like a week or two ago and they were giving like tips and advice on, you know, um, how to, how to lead and, and how to, you know, be in a, if you're in an entry level position, like what advice you would give to those who maybe have questions. So your comments about like, I am never afraid to ask a question for more understanding. I think it's really important because I believe it was Blythe or Sharon who said the same thing that, you know, to avoid that misalignment, always ask the question. And I think there can be a stigma to that of like, nobody wants to be the person to like, look like they don't understand. But the reality is, is that shows more interest and more of a want to do the task at hand correctly and can open a window of like further dialogue. So I, that's something that I've had to practice in my everyday, you know, I think I used to be a little bit more in the background of like, okay, I have like three to four questions, but I'm just going to sit back and maybe message somebody on the side. And I've been very intentional about that now in, you know, Hey, can we can we circle back to that that last point and you expand on that? That's a new term for me that I don't understand, and I'd like to make sure that I do in case I come into contact with a customer and need to elaborate on it. Um, and I don't think that that shows weakness. I don't think that that shows inexperience. It shows a yearning and want to be a SME subject matter expert in yeah. it. So yeah. I love that. I love that point. But it's also really important to gauge the person on the other side, mm -hmm. because if they're not open to that kind of question, then they might not be aligned with you who wants to be continually learning mm -hmm. and doesn't, doesn't expect to know everything and doesn't put it out there that they know everything. And so if they support you in that question, then you know right away mm -hmm. where they're going to align and somebody that who you want to work with. Yeah, take the opportunity to educate someone. And, um, you know, in some situations like that, I'm like, you know, tell me a little more about it. I, I've never heard of that. And call me in 24 hours and I'm going to know everything about it because I will immerse myself with research and I will learn everything I can and, and take advantage of what's out there. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of investing in yourself and um, really, you know, whether it is buying a book and reading it, attending a seminar, um, 
getting your hair done for the interview, you know, what, what types of things do you guys encourage with, you know, without feeling guilty that you're doing something for yourself? Um, what have you done for yourself that has helped you further your career, educate yourself or just, you know, advance to that next level? So much. Um, I would say try everything. So you don't know what you like and what you don't like until you try something. Sure. And so without trying, you don't know which way you're going to go. And so that I think is very much for yourself. So even asking questions like, is there a chance for me to cross train? Can I learn what other people are going are, are doing? Because then you know which way you want to pivot or you know what that career path could potentially look like. Um, I don't like reading business books. So Audible has been a very good purchase for me because I get to listen to them. But I also listen to a lot of podcasts and I learn a lot from people every single day um, in a variety of different capacities from social media to the podcast, you know, to Blended. Blended has been a huge, huge. And to be honest with you, that's a passion for project. And that's something that I did for myself. So that's probably one of the biggest things in the last year that I've done for myself is create blended, put it together and put it out there. Good for you. That's awesome. Again, courage. How about you, Natalie? Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that uh, a couple things that I really enjoy being able to invest in myself and my career, you know, I'm 27 years old, so I still have a lot to, to grow in and learn is uh, podcasts have been huge for me. I definitely lean on that. You know, LinkedIn has been a great resource for that because I feel like there are so many people producing content, content on either they have their own podcasts like Sarah or they're recommending podcasts that they've learned. There's been this layer of vulnerability of, you know, this is something I didn't know about. If anybody's looking or interested, here's where I'd recommend. So that's something that I've adopted in my daily routine that's been really helpful for me. And also, leveraging the network of, you know, more experienced people in the industry and having the confidence to just message them and ask them to chat over coffee. You know, I'm really hungry to learn and I know where I need to grow and where I want to go. And um, I think that having, you know, taking away that fear of, you know, asking or reaching out and that rejection, um, it's been really, uh, it's opened up an amazing world of new people. You know, the LLC is one of them, you know, Nicole and I had a great conversation a few months back and where we are now, and I've been able to expand and meet so many amazing women who are aligned with where I want to go and what I aspire to be. Um, so that's been really amazing. And, you know, don't, don't be afraid to do something and fail. You know, yeah. one thing that I've been really intentional about and getting out of my comfort zone is posting <laughs> on mm -hmm. LinkedIn and maybe I'm wrong, you know, and trying to understand how, you know, if I'm reading an article rather than just liking it, can I add something to it? Can I make a post and ask a question? And, you know, it took me, a, it's been really uncomfortable, but it's been like a fun discomfort. Um, and I've been really surprised by the feedback and, you know, just I've been engaging and then through that, you know, I think I read some a point the other day on LinkedIn that, 
you know, that road to experience and expertise comes from doing. So rather than sitting on the sidelines and just reading and studying, just start going out there and start producing that content. Mm -hmm. so that's what I've been trying to do. And I've learned so much by doing that. And I consider that an investment in yourself. It doesn't have to be a financial investment, but just committing to the time, committing to a challenge that you want to overcome. And um, that is all about personal growth and personal development. So um, that's great. So Sarah, what advice would you give someone who is not happy in their career they know what they're good at, but they don't know what they want to do next because they simply don't know what they don't know and they don't know what else is out there. What type of advice would you give someone like that? The same advice, try everything. Um, I would sit down with a piece of paper and really write down what you like to do, what you're good at, you know, what does that culture fit need to be? for you to actually make the most out of your career? What are some of the questions that you want to ask during those interviews? Um, because I think, you know, once you figure out what it is that you like to do, what it is that you're good at, and what positions you can actually transfer those skills into and really make the most impact, then you're ready at to look at what's out there. But also don't be afraid to apply um, for positions that maybe you're only 80% qualified for. Maybe you're only 60% qualified for. Because at the end of the day, you can utilize that interview to really talk about what it is that you're gonna bring to the table that's gonna help in that position. Maybe it's a diverse perspective. Maybe it's innovative ideas. And maybe there's something from your old job that you were able to bring to the forefront as far as innovation. And it was implemented. And this is what that looked like. That's right. Great. So yeah. bring examples, you know, talk about what you've done. And it might not be in that particular role, but definitely transferable. It's like a friend of mine. She she helps uh, women get back to work after having children. And there's transferable skills in motherhood. Mm -hmm. Bring to different roles that you might not really think about. And so just really thinking about all of that and bringing it all together and, and putting it on the table. So. No, that's such a powerful thought. It really is true. Everything you do can add value to something else in another way. And it's a lot of it's just perception, the way you think about it. So, well, we're coming up on time. Um, I think we could probably talk for another two hours about this subject and all the different paths we've gone down. But such a pleasure to hear from you guys and share these tips with the audience. I feel like it's going to be very valuable for the listeners. So thanks again for your time, ladies. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Carly. Thanks, Carly. Have a great afternoon. Bye. Bye.